warm welcome. I appreciate the way you look at me like as if you were interested. And it's very gracious of you. And I trust that God will bless you in the days uh, to come. And I have no doubt that he will. I'd like to read in Matthew 13. And we might as well start at verse number 1. And uh, read down to about verse number 9. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea in great crowds gathered about him so he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up and since they had no depth of soil but When the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them, but other seeds fell on good ground, and that produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty, and he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I really won't be speaking very much on that passage at all that I've read, but I think it will get across the idea that we have been called to go out and sow the seed of the Word of God. And how to go about it has always been many questions. And I can tell you this, I don't stand here having the final solution and the answer because some of the things I'll mention we have tried. Everything I'll mention tonight We have tried, some with varying degrees of success, if you want to call it success, but how do you know about success? Because we simply are called to sow the seed of the Word of God and look to the Lord to bless His Word. I heard a story some time ago that has I've thought of many times since. And if it wasn't the man that told it, Walter Gustafson, who, if he tells you a story today... And you hear him 10 years ago telling the story. It'll be identical word for word almost. Like he is really detailed. And Brother Walter told of a man on his 100th birthday living on the farm that he had farmed all his life. And now his son had taken it over. And now his grandsons were running this fairly large operation that they had. And the old man at a hundred years of age on his hundredth birthday walked from the house, slow footsteps, out towards the barn. And he came up and he stood beside the fence, just around the barn where the calves were inside the fence. And as he stood there on his hundredth birthday with his hands over the fence, a calf came as the custom of calves are to do. And that calf came up and began to lick the old farmer's hand like a calf will do with its rough tongue. And he's licking that farmer's hand. And that farmer on his 100th birthday, suddenly into his mind came a verse that he had learned in Sunday school 92 or 93 years earlier, had not been religious or to church for, as far as I understand, his entire life, basically no church, religion, filiation. And the verse he learned in Sunday school that came to his mind was, the ox knows its owner, and the ass its master's crib, my people does not know. 
and they do not consider. And standing there that day, that hundred-year-old man trusted Christ as his Savior. <clears throat> I'm telling that because, because of the fact that the Word of God was sown all those many, many, many years earlier and bore fruit years and years after. All those who had brought that message to the man, they've gone and they've gone out into eternity and they've gone to be with the Lord and they sowed the seed and here it came and it brought forth fruit so many years later. So, dear brother and sister, don't get discouraged with sowing the good seed of the Word of God because God has promised it will not return unto him void. And if we could grasp that, we could go forth sowing the seed and we need to go out looking not so much to see results. And yet, it's a tremendous power. It's the dynamite of God unto salvation, the preaching of the gospel. And you can't preach and bring the seed of the word of God and bring the message of the gospel without results taking place. I heard that uh, years ago, a number of years ago, they went over somewhere in the Middle East, Palestine area, and they found some old tombs, whether it was a pyramid or whatever it was. They went in this tomb that hadn't been opened they estimate for 4,000 years and inside there they found all kinds of different things and they found a clay vessel that had one time been sealed but it kind of all shriveled and dried up and they opened it up and they looked inside and they saw these white gray looking things that looked like seeds and that's what they turned out to be and they brought them back to England and they took them into some kind of a greenhouse and they took those seeds that were gray and shriveled and, and pathetic looking things. And they took that seed and they put it into the ground in the soil in that greenhouse, a nice warm area, nice damp soil, nice humid air. And one day later, those seeds began to sprout. And a few times, days, weeks later, it produced peas. 4,000 years old. You know, this book that we hold in our hand it's not 4,000 years old it's eternal and it's the seed of the word of God and as we take and sow the seed of the word of God into the hearts of people it is going to bring results it's an impossibility to go out and sow the seed without seeing and bringing uh, results and we will find there's two things in the Bible that are called God breathed and first of all it's man Human beings, people, God breathes. And then the word of God is God breathed as well. And this book that we hold in our hand, it's divine, it's powerful, it's the word of God. And we can go forth with absolute confidence as we sow the seed of the word of God and expect to see results. A number of years ago, I don't know how long it'd be ago, um, maybe 30, 25, 28 years ago. I have to stop and really spend time thinking. Uh, yeah, it'd be 28 years ago, I would say. We decided to take our family. The children were young then, and uh, we had four of them at the time. Our one son died following that. But uh, we thought we'll go to St. Lucia, to the West Indies, and spend time with Jack Nesbitt. And uh, we uh, went down there and we, or we were getting ready to go down there and about the day or the day before we left to go for two years um, got a phone call and the brother Jack Noble 
was on the phone. I think Andrew would have known Jack Noble. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Andrew, he was in Antigua. Is that right? And uh, he phones. Now, at this time, he's an old man. He was back home from Antigua. He spent, I think, 40, 50 years down there. And now he's home in Canada. And he phoned and he says, look, Steve, I've just got a little word of advice for you. I know you're busy. I know you're getting ready to leave and you don't want to be talking to me. But I got got to call you with a little bit of advice. And he said, remember, you are not going to St. Lucia to save anybody. You're just going down there to plant the seed and preach the gospel. And you know something? I've never forgot the advice that Brother Jack Noble gave. And oftentimes I have thought of dear Brother Jack Noble who's long since gone to be with the Lord. And it's the truth. You and I, we go out with the seed of the Word of God and we are simply going out to sow the seed of the Word of God. Someone has said that, that ordinary people who take and make a simple spiritual commitment to the Lordship of Christ. Ordinary people who go out and make a simple, a simple commitment to the Lordship of Christ will accomplish extraordinary things in their little world. Is that why God uses ordinary people? You know, you can find some of the most amazing people, Christians too, And there they are. They've got ability coming out their ears. Far more ability than you and I, maybe. But God has a toolbox, as it were. And in that toolbox is you and me and whoever's offering himself and making a spiritual commitment to the Lord, to the Lordship of Christ. And we're in that little toolbox. And there's lots better ones, but the tools aren't there. It's like when you're working on something and you've got that little toolbox there, and instead of going looking for a tool somewhere else, you just try and get by with what's in the toolbox. It is maybe not even the most suitable tool, but you use it because it's there and you don't want to go looking for something else. Well, that's, in my mind, how God works. If you're available, God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. And if you and I simply go out and we try to take and bring the word of God to the people, God will bless the little efforts that you and I try to make for him. And so I encourage you by God's help just to go out and be willing to try to be available, to be used of God and tell God, I'm here, I'm available. And Lord, if you can use me in some little way, just use me. And you know, I believe with all my heart, and I think I have the word of God for it, that God in his grace will take and use the most unsuitable tool. And he'll take and use even you and me. And in the little bit that we have tried to do, and I want to try and not use the word I because uh, you'll sure get tired of using the word I. But there's one thing that I enjoy, and it's gospel meetings, gospel preaching. Now, I know there's some that use different methods and all the rest, but that one is at the top of my list. Because if I can get a few people and as few as one, I will rather have a gospel meeting than a Bible study. We were having some meetings in a little town uh, in Ontario a number of years ago. And uh, I had been 
trying to get people to the meetings and not many were coming. And this night there was a snowstorm. <laughs> oh, brother, nobody will come. And my old uncle was with me and he's a gracious old man. And he and I were he was, had just come to kind of encourage. And he was an encouragement. Tim Kember. And uh, that night snow. I thought nobody will come came, I don't know, was it 7.30 or whatever time the meeting was going to be at? Nobody was there. But about five minutes later, a guy come tramping in through the snow, Wim Timmerman. And my uncle says, we'll have a, we'll have a uh, Bible study. I said, no, uncle. I've been working to get Wim out to a gospel meeting for a long time. And I said, uh, I'll sit with Wim and uh, you preach and then uh, you sit down with Wim and I'll preach. And Big audience, eh? In this building that we're paying $100 a night for, if you can believe. And, well, Uncle said, fine. So, he preached, and I preached. And you know the great thing is? Wim Timmerman got saved the next day. And Wim is in Holland today. About every Christmas, Wim will call. And he'll say, almost every time he phones, he'll say, you know, I always remember that meeting. He says, I knew full well you weren't preaching to your uncle, and I knew you uncle wasn't preaching to you. He said, I knew you were preaching to me. And he said, I had no doubt who you were preaching to. Look, don't be concerned about the big crowds. To be perfectly honest with you, and Rob here preaches, and Dave, and I don't know who all, lots of others, thank God for everyone. But I can tell you this, I would rather have one unsaved soul in a meeting that's there because of an interest than a hundred Christians. So I'll take this, the one person and as we preach the gospel. So I would like to suggest that there's nothing that can take and replace the preaching, the, the, the simple preaching of the gospel. And so to try to get people to gospel meetings, that's the difficulty. So and maybe more and more in the day in which we live, it's very hard to get people to gospel meetings. They have got everything and anything to do and to come down to a gospel meeting. Oh, my goodness. It's kind of boring. And so they just have no heart to, to come there. So one of the other avenues I use, and you brethren are already using it here, so I'm not telling you anything you don't know, is door-to-door visitation and go up and knock on the door and i can tell you this i would find florida and fort lauderdale what i see around here as being a pretty formidable place to go and knock on people's doors so god bless you that you got the courage to go out there because uh i don't know i think i'd see people without a whole lot of interest and i like it where we work that i come to a village and i go into the place and rob was saying you don't even have to knock on the door they just walk in but i don't do that i always bang on the door and they almost without fail shout somebody will be yelling inside come on in and so you walk inside and you're already inside and mind you if it's 40 or 50 below zero they don't want to stand looking at you at the doorway anyway get in and get the door shut And so you're inside anyway. Now sometimes you get inside and after talking to the people for two minutes or one minute or three minutes, you find out that folks would just be happy that you just moved on to the next house. And I'm not there to oppress them or or upset them in any way, shape or form. And so I leave our stuff and try and talk to them for a minute and move on down the road. And 
I think one thing we want to be absolutely certain of, that when we come to talk to people, whether it's at the door or wherever it is, that we leave a good taste in those people's mouths. Because down the road sometime, they may not be interested today, but when they have problems and difficulties and troubles that God brings them into, that he might speak to them, you will find then they start looking and they think, well, you know, that Christian I met back there, I don't know, he's kind of a kook, but at least he wasn't that bad a guy. Seemed like a decent sort. And so they take and they look for Christians and they've got a great attitude towards Christians. That's what we want to have, that people will have a tremendous good attitude. So door-to-door is a tremendous way. And I have worked door-to-door in cities like Lethbridge and cities of 75 and 100,000 people. So it's something like around here and it's not as easy. And you might go to 10 doors and possibly only get a good talk after you get to 10 or 15 doors. I don't know what it's like around here, but that's fine. Keep on keeping on doing that any way. But another avenue we use in Canada, which does not work here as well, is direct mail. We call it direct mail, bulk mail. In Canada, we can take a piece of paper like this and walk into the post office and give them a thousand of them or five thousand of them, no address, no name, no nothing, and say, look, I want that section of the city one into every mailbox, and you pay yourself eight or nine cents, whatever the rate is, and they will take and deliver it in that area in which you have asked them to deliver. You don't, we're here, I, I understand rightly, you have to address it and all, but we have taken and mailed, and we mail out things like a, a, a we call it Good News Bulletin. And in, I've taken courses a couple of times on direct mail and how to do direct mail. And they tell us to write articles and stuff in it like a newspaper idea, news, because then people think of it as being up to date and they will take and read it more readily than if you just announce that we're having gospel meetings. Now, sometimes we will take and mail a flyer that we're having gospel meetings, but at the same time, uh, we mail seed sores or the present ones that we're getting from Uplook magazine, the John 3.16 and these other verses that are just great and very attractive looking and we'll take and mail them but it is an advantage that I can just carry a box fulls without even opening the boxes into the post office and they'll just take and mail them wherever you want to mail them so it's very convenient. But other thing we have mailed is the Via Magazine. In fact, I put a few back there. Uh, there's a yellow one and I left it there because in that Via Magazine, it's a few years old, that one, there's an article in there, it's entitled Jeffrey, and it's a story of our son that died, and I wrote that after he died, and it is in the magazine now. But uh, uh, so I left a few of them on the, on the back shelf there. But the Via magazine comes from Portage La Prairie. The brethren there have been printing that magazine, I believe, now for around about 40 years. Each year, they simply print as many as they have the money to print, and uh, they're an attractive magazine. In fact, I think they've been that's a 1992 magazine. I think the new one are even much more attractive even than that one, although I'm not ashamed to give that one out. And they've got up-to-date, interesting articles kind of covering the gamut of people's lives of interest to different ones. And it's got, what, 12, 14, 15 pages, something like that. And it's a very attractive uh, magazine. So that's direct mail. But the thing that I like maybe the best as far as trying to get contacts with people is a booth in the mall. 
And a booth in the mall is a long-term project. I don't think, well, you could put one in for a weekend, but when we have put a booth in the mall before, I have looked at it at least no less than a year because people walk past and they size you up and they look at you. And I have found in the malls, after you're in there for a month, you see the same people going by. Some people come in every day. And they, at first they walk down the hallway and they walk on that side and they walk on that side and they stay a long way away from you. Then they start walking a little closer. And when you're in a mall at a booth, I found you can't sit. You sit down, you look like you're not interested. And so I might walk and stand over there and stand over here, and I don't stand right by the table, by the booth that we have set up, and we try to make it as attractive looking as we can. We try to have enough material that you can keep it up to date and keep changing stuff, and that's a challenge in itself to find good stuff that you can put on the table and continue to change so that it's attractive, but stand back, and after a while, people will start to stop and we have met many, many people at the mall booth. In fact, I would say that has been a gold mine, a place to meet people. In Lethbridge, we put the uh, booth in the mall, and for 14 months, we first moved to Lethbridge, and we didn't know a soul when my wife and I went to Lethbridge, and there's about 75,000 people in the city. We did not know a single person in that whole place, and we go there, and so how am I going to meet the people? And so we put a booth in the mall, and I was at that mall seven days a week for 14 months, and from the time the mall opened in the morning until it closed at night, and it's not cheap. It's $1,000 a month to rent a 10 by 10 square foot spot, although after we were there a number of months, I would go down to the manager and say, look at man, you know, we're paying a lot of cash here, and what about a little reduced rate? And so he began to give us a little better deal at the place, but it's worth it. It's great. You have to have the right people. You can't be aggressive. You have to know how to handle people. It's not that I'm standing here saying I know how to handle people because you keep on learning and you find out that you make lots of mistakes. But the mall is a great spot, a tremendous spot to meet people. People are searching. People are sick with life. And people go down to the mall. Friday nights are great nights and Saturdays. People go down to the mall because there's nothing else to do. They're lonely. They're miserable. And they are looking for somebody to talk to. And once you get to know them, and so you get to know them in the mall, and then I'd say to them, they get to know them a little bit and say, let's go down and have a coffee at the little restaurant over there at the little, what do you call it, the food court. And you have a, a drink and start to talk to them about the Lord. And one thing, sure, as soon as they come to talk to you there, they know why they're there and they know why you're there. You're not there to talk about the weather. And so you're right up front with them because they've already been watching you usually for months. And in Lethbridge, there was one girl came by there and she came by for months. She was a Spanish lady. And finally, she stopped and then she started to visit and talk. And then my wife and I went to her house and visited there and she trusted the Lord and was saved. And her son has been a, a blessing. So God did use it. That was just one. We met 
the Hutterites there. And God came in following that and saved between three and four hundred Hutterites that we met at the mall. It's a, it was a gold mine. So I only want to pass that on to you that if I had a choice of any place, I would use the mall. Then along in combination with the mall booth and with the mailing, and I'm referring to larger cities, we had a storefront we rented with, we called it Good News Drop-In Center. And we'd open it two nights a week. And one night a week was for kids to come in. Well, that second night was for kids too, but the one night a week was open from 6 in the evening until about midnight. We try to find a place where there's the, uh, what do you call those, arcades and that around where kids hang out and where kids walk up and down the street. And uh, granted, in Canada, when it's cold in the wintertime, kids are looking for a place to come in. But we don't, did not provide ping pong table, no pool table, absolutely nothing. In fact, all we provided was a listening ear. And kids came in. In fact, 70, 80, 90, and 100 kids in one evening would come in and out, in and out, in and out. And sometimes they'd just stay for 10 minutes and get their drink and be gone. Others would come in. And you need to have a, the right man and the right woman because there was many times girls, young girls would come in. They're living with their mother. Their mother's living with the boyfriend. And the boyfriend is a problem to her. And you know what I'm talking about. And, and the sad situation of sexual abuse and everything else. And I can't tell you how many girls would say, sit down and I had many tell me Steve you're like a father to me and kids today are looking for it and so for a little time we thought well what do we do maybe put in a video and a TV a DVD whatever show them some videos and you know what they said to us more than one said Look, we, we can watch TV any old time but we can't talk to people anytime and we just took the thing out and shut her down. They want somebody to talk to because they have nobody that talks to them. Maybe kids, but no father-mother figure that is there to talk to them. And a drop-in center, yes, it can be costly to run, but all we gave was put sort of set up like a living room and maybe a table and uh, some chairs there. We did use a puzzle on the table if they wanted to do it. I don't think it ever worked much, but we gave them hot chocolate. We gave them uh, cold drinks, juice, and cookies. And sometimes we'd bring the barbecue down and hook the barbecue up and set it outside and cook hamburgers or hot dogs or sausages or whatever and just tried to minister to the kids as they would come in. Then, in addition to that, Sunday night had a gospel meeting. And in the gospel meeting, it was kind of a little bit of an orderly meeting. Yeah, everything sit there and they can sit wherever they want. Then we'd stand up and preach the gospel. Never got near as many to that. For one thing, school nights are out more. Sunday nights, sometimes it wasn't as many of them running around. But Nevertheless, we would get people into the gospel meeting and some in Lethbridge were saved as a result of that. And we also use that in two other places, larger centers where we have worked before in Ontario. So the the drop in center worked quite well. There's also other places like fairs and uh, flea markets where we have fairs. Very we have found very limited 
if I want to use the term success with them, because people are down there for a good time, and it's kind of wild, and they're down at the whatever, and they're hardly interested in us, but we have gone to lots of fairs, but usually they, we did not find them greatly successful. But the flea markets, we found they're cheap. You can usually rent a table for about $20, and it's a great spot to go and have a booth. And the type of people that are coming in there, and I hate the terminology, but you'll get the message of what it means, is the lower class people that is commonly talked about in this world. But there's no such thing in the eye of the Lord, so don't take it wrong in the way I'm saying it. But it's a working type of people, and usually the people are far more open to the gospel at the flea market than they are anywhere else. And we found that the flea market doesn't take nearly as long as the mall to get an interest uh, from the people. Another thing that we have enjoyed and, uh, is the parades. And at the parade, we uh, put the Sunday school children and fl- on the float, and the bigger kids go along and throw out candy and also give out maybe a fridge magnet or whatever item you prepare for the parade, whether it's the Christmas parade, the Easter parade, or the, I don't know what kind of parades you have down here, the, 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 the July the 1st, is it, or the 4th, sorry, the 4th. Got to remember that. July the 1st is our anniversary. So, uh, but July the 4th. And parades. And the children love it. And the old folks like it. And we, in the Christmas parade, you know, you put a, whatever you're going to make on the, on, the, on the float. And you spend time fixing up the float to make it look acceptable and attractive looking and the kids sing Christmas carols and we all sing Christmas carols and give out candy on the street plus a a fridge magnet or whatever else you're going to be giving out to the people. So we have found the parades mostly a whole lot of fun, but the children sure do like it from the Sunday school. But I think something you're doing, you are teaching and training young people to go out into this world and bear witness for the name and person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not all uh, just for what you're going to accomplish um, in sowing the seed, but it's possibly uh, teaching the younger people and others something of, of God. Another thing that we have found that has worked effectively and it may be in smaller centers than this place that you're living in around here. But we mark down the people in the newspaper who have lost loved ones and have sent them cards, a card, along with a type of a tract that's for the bereaved and some comfort. And the encouraging thing is, has been probably a better response back from those people than anything else we have tried to do. And it's uh, a work that um, someone can do, and it's a, yeah, it's a commitment to take and get the address and uh, mail out a, a bereavement card to it. I don't know if around here if you have the welcome wagon. Do you have such a thing, Malcolm? You ever heard of it? Okay. Like, in Canada, when in the pretty well every town has a welcome wagon. That is 
when you move to the town, the name is given, I think, possibly from the town hall or wherever they find out they've moved, goes to the welcome wagon. The welcome wagon comes around and gives you a package and, uh, of stuff from the grocery store, maybe a can of this or that. It's a bill, be a box. And so you can put in a Bible or a card of welcome and maybe a bit of food or something like that and an invitation to the chapel where you're meeting. A church, because people are coming to town, they've never been here before, and they're looking around, and you're the only people that have given them any invitation to come anywhere. So I don't know if you have welcome wagon around here or not, but if you haven't, you need to have one, so you can always start a welcome wagon. And uh, Another thing is that we have found encouraging and get a lot of response from, but I don't know about the long term from it. I can't say, with exception of once, that we have seen definite results from it, but is dial a message. A three-minute dial a message. So you take an answering machine and uh, in any of your houses, and you have a phone line put in, and uh, they just simply phone in, and you can put a three-minute message on this tape, a gospel message, change it every week, and then hang up little signs around at put an ad in the newspaper we have done. We have taken and putting a, a poster at the mall with little tear-off numbers on the bottom of it for a dial-a-message. And they can call in, and it's a short three-minute message of the gospel. And we have one. Now, in La Crete, we don't get a whole lot of calls on it because they already know who's got it. And... But we would probably get 15 calls a week. And so I just check and change the message every week. I don't know who's calling. I haven't got a clue. But at least there's a three-minute message. And you can get a longer, I think you can get maybe as long as five-minute on, on an answering machine, a, a message that will take about a five-minute, but that gets a little long. So I use a three-minute message and just... Give them a little bit of a gospel, not always gospel, even any thought that I've enjoyed and I just put it in there, something that you've enjoyed. And so uh, that is, an, I find it encouraging that you hear the phone ring and the machine goes and you can even tell if they listen to the whole thing or if they haven't. So uh, it's, I would encourage anybody to do that and you might find, in fact, I know one brother that does it in Ontario and he gets 150 calls a week, but he's in a busy place but it costs you the price of a phone line. So uh, it's pretty inexpensive and it's uh, effective as far as I'm concerned. How many times could you talk to 150 people in a week? Could that brother talk a three-minute message to 150 people in a week? I don't know anybody could. Sometime he'll advertising for gospel meetings. He will advertise the gospel meetings. He'll take a little bit of a blurb from the message that's being spoken and just put that on. And he tried all kinds of things. So it does, it does work. And also a low-frequency transmitter that when the brother is speaking here, you can advertise outside your building to dial up FM 102.9 or whatever the frequency is, and it will only go out, I think, to about 1,500 feet around, and they are legal in Canada, and I presume here. And it, you can't have a, a far broadcast, but you can advertise that they can listen to the message that's going on inside the chapel at the same time as they're parked in their car out there just dial up on the radio, and you got it. And we know a number of places, and we have used that. And, yeah, 
How do you know who's listening to it, who's hearing it? You haven't got a clue. But it is an opportunity to try and reach out. Then there's home Bible studies. And we personally very much like home Bible studies. And uh, invite people to come by two or three Christians get together and they start a Bible study. Then you invite your friends, your neighbor, and you try to get them to come in for your Bible study. And usually you can get in one or two people that will come and join you. Sometimes they're Christians. Sometimes they aren't. Sometimes they're lonely people. They're just looking for company. And we have advertised it in the newspaper. We've advertised it at the mall. And in different ways, you let people know by word of mouth, too, that you have a home Bible study. And they're welcome to come down and put on the, the coffee, although some folks don't drink coffee and tea and juice and a few cookies. And you will find that you will be able to get uh, people to come. And then you've got a beautiful building here. And this building is used how many hours a week do you use this building? Three, four, five hours a week? Um, we have started making our building available to the community with no charge. Um, simply for a wedding, retirement, to the homeschool groups that are looking for a spot to have homeschool meetings, and for uh, you name it. And we quilting is one. And we have found that it has made such a good impression in the community. Because if there's going to be a little birthday party, and it's too large to meet in a house... To go out and rent a room, people are paying $150 and $250 for a suitable little room. And here we've got a nice building, we've got a nice kitchen, and you've got a nice everything. And all we ask is that there's no smoking and no drinking of alcoholic beverages in the building. And I can say this, we have never once had a problem with people. In fact... We've had different ones say, they, especially mothers will say it, I sure like to be able to use your church for the, a birthday party because there's no drinking and I've got a son or a daughter. And if they come somewhere, we can have, say there's no drinking in the church building where we're using it and we just have an arrangement where they can pick up a key, come in, use the place, and then they've already been inside your building and they feel so much more comfortable to come to your building and we've had numerous people that will come Come as a result of having been inside the building. And furthermore, it's a pitiful thing to have a building and we're only using so little. And neighbors that are within a few blocks are going out and renting places to have a, a little party and a birthday party. In fact, we've been blessed by it because there's been pots and pans and, and kettles and all kinds of stuff. They say, we see you're a little short in this. You need that. So we just left ours for you. And so uh, it has worked very well. Then for a brother particularly that has a little bit of ability and a heart of compassion for the community. If you go down to funeral homes and go in and talk to the funeral director and volunteer to take a funeral free, no charge, you will find that you could well be busy. In Lethbridge, I went to funeral homes and offered to take funerals. And there was times I would have three and four funerals in a week 
to take. I don't know the people. But see, so many people don't have a church affiliation. They don't know anybody. Where are they going to go? And so it's kind of, they go in and they look around. Could you get a pastor, a minister, or something like that? They don't know what they're looking for. And the fellow said, well, I know Steve, and he'll come down and take your funeral. And I try and then go in for visitation, and it's pathetic. Sometimes you'll go in and you find on, a, on, a, on the evening of the visitation before the funeral, there's only like 10, 12 people there. It's sad. It's pitiful. And so you go in and you get to know the people before the funeral. There's times you can't get in like that, but you try to do it before the funeral and show kindness and compassion and and then we've had the christians have been volunteering to put on some refreshments because they don't even do know of doing that they go want to go down and and do it at a restaurant or something and here we can bring down a bit of refreshment for the people and it's been a source of great blessing to the people in the community and i simply always try to have the the uh Family or somebody give a eulogy because I don't know a thing about this person. I don't want to say anything about the person. Then I try and preach a gracious, kind message of the the God of all comfort and the Savior who has come into the world in love and compassion. He's died for us. I'm not there to preach about heaven or hell or anything. Well, heaven and, and hell I might mention, but not to put the people down, to just preach a message of encouragement to the people and it's a tremendous avenue to get to know and the great thing is you can visit in the homes in the weeks and the months to come and you can see people saved as a result of it and it's wide open it costs you nothing in fact more often than not the people have insisted that i take some money for having preached at their grandpa's funeral or something and so they insist you take some money and i know we're not there doing it for the money but It's a tremendous opportunity to minister to people who are in trouble. And they don't even have a pastor that cares. In fact, one funeral home director told me how he used this fella and that fella. He said they'd walk in and they'd preach the sermon. They'd walk out and they'd hardly shake hands with anybody. And they got their money and got paid and that was it. And he said, uh, I like it. You come down, you get to know the people, and you are friendly to them. And so I only pass that on as as an opportunity opportunity to uh, reach some people and in our home every other Sunday night through the winter we have what we call a sing and the Christians gather and we sing play my wife plays the piano well and uh, we just sing some songs and we invite neighbors to come or anybody come we're not there to preach and once in a while somebody might give a testimony for five minutes but most of the time we're simply there just to sing hymns and it's amazing how many people like to come together to sing it's quite surprising even unsaved people are neighbors in Lethbridge, we lived on a street in Jerry Potts Boulevard, if you can believe Jerry Potts Boulevard. But anyway, that's the street we lived on. No driveway. Houses are close together and cars parked at the street. And we'd have a sing and the neighbors heard us singing. And, you know, the neighbors would come and we had a little house. I think Rob was in the house. And there was times we had 100 people in that living room and into the kitchen. It was jam-packed with people. And hardly any room to find a spot to sit down on the floor. But people came and they they liked it and they enjoyed it. So it is an avenue. And then in Canada, summer is short. And so through the summer months, we don't have a sing in our house. 
we have a barbecue at the RV park. Now, up in Lacrete, one of the local brothers that got saved, he owns the RV park. And so that's pretty convenient because he has the nicest spot in the park, and we have the best spot for the best picnic of the town. But it's for the purpose. Yes, we enjoy it. Go out and play soccer or whatever with the kids and uh, fool around with the young people. And we have it usually 5 o'clock. And in, in Alberta, this time of year, it's not dark till 11 o'clock. And in a, another month, it's not dark till 12.30 or 1 in the morning. And often that picnic lasts until 11.30 on, on Sunday night. And the, it's because summer is so short and they enjoy it. But we have had many, many people come. And we're not there to preach to them. We're just there to be friendly with them and befriend them. And I can just say that it does seem to be effective. So that's some of the avenues we have used. Um, in it all, it takes prayer, it takes God, it takes the Holy Spirit. You can have all the things figured out, all your ducks in order. It still takes God. At the same time, if we don't go out and seek to reach people, nothing is going to happen, and we become stagnant as Christians, and we become a little bit, yeah, set in our ways. And uh, I can maybe mention one other thing. I was talking to Brother Dave this afternoon. Um, If I can try and explain this in the right way. Nothing wrong with you Christians here. Believe me, there's not. So what I'm going to say, I'm not finding fault or criticizing any of you dear believers. I love you. But from the world, the people we're seeing saved in the world today, to bring them to the chapel here is, it is tough. It's a world apart. And We have gone out working to see new assemblies formed over the years, my wife and I in the last 35 years. And we have worked to see some built up, and new ones started, about 10 in all. But it works so... We're not looking to get Christians just to come and start another assembly. We're looking for people who just got saved. Now, if a Christian comes, fine. But I'll tell you this. Christians that are... What we call, or might, what might be called established Christians, are problems with capital P because they haven't got a clue, some of them, about how to handle new believers that come in in their old clothes and smoking and, uh, yeah, whatever. And they got their earrings and they got their nose rings and they got their tongue rings and they got their tattoos and I don't know what all they don't have. Now, how do you bring them to here? Nothing wrong with you Christians. So I say to my wife often, we need a halfway house. And a drop-in center with a gospel meeting on a Sunday evening in some spot in a storefront with some tables set out in the front where they can stop and drink juice and all the rest and get to know people. That's the place that they will come to. They feel comfortable. But to get them to come in here, they feel uncomfortable. They feel uptight. They're not they're just not dressed for it. They, and furthermore, usually the assembly's meeting quite a ways from the place where the mud hits the fender, if I can explain that down where the people are. And so, how are you going to get the people from the world to gather with? They don't. They just don't. 
And Christians say, well, we've been working and preaching all these years and nothing's happening. And they might have been seeing see people say, but they're not, they're not sticking. Why? Because the, the, it's just too big a change. And so this, what I call a halfway house, they will come and it's comfortable. Nobody wears a tie and you just are there. And you sit down and you take and you remember the Lord after you teach them believers' baptism. And they remember the Lord, that Christians get more comfortable. The right ones, if I could use that term carefully, from here, stop down, get to know them. And after a while, they get jobs, they get working. And it might take one, two, three, four, five years and more of a lot of patience and work and time spent. And then you will see people gathered and you'll see a work of God done. But you won't... I'm going to go so far as to say it won't happen in this building. And maybe I'm stretching it to say it won't happen, but I don't think it will. I might be wrong, and I hope I am wrong. But if you're going to see it soul saved and added and taught and gathered into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and exalting the Lord and bringing honor to the Lord in their lives and making progress in their lives, you're going to have to work with them and it's they just feel uncomfortable in this environment. And i got no problem with this environment. So I hope you're not offended that I'm trying to say there's you're, you're something wrong with you, dear folk. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just that's the way it is. So might God bless you. And I pass that on. And I hope it can be some little form of blessing to you.